Hi, it's Ian Brody here. Welcome to the More Clients Podcast. My guest today is Chris Loeb. As a direct response copywriter, Chris has worked with Shark Tank winners. So for those of us in the UK, that's the US equivalent of our Dragon's Den, um, Inc. 500 companies and a host of well-known industry experts. These days, Chris focuses his efforts on helping experts increase sales of their high-ticket training programs. Now, Chris is well-known for his emphasis on researching your market and your clients. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Chris. Hey, and thanks for having me. Okay, so I think in theory, everyone understands that the better you understand your clients, the better your marketing is going to be. But when it comes to practice, most of us just want to get stuff done. So we want to launch a product, get that email out, do a webinar. So in truth, we kind of skip the research phase and just go with what we already know. I know I've done that a few times myself. So to help motivate us not to do that all the time, from your experience, what benefits have your clients seen when they've taken the time to do their research properly? Okay. So yeah, you're right. For the most part, um, nobody enjoys doing research. <laughs> you know, these days launches and Facebook ads and webinars are what's sexy and there's nothing remotely sexy or exciting about research. <laughs> it's typically boring surveys and phone interviews. So you're right. It's definitely not the most exciting part of being a business owner doing online marketing, but it is, um, definitely critical. And there are a lot of companies out there that are profitable. And, you know, converting leads and getting clients in spite of themselves. Mm. So just to give you an example of how much this can take your business or your company to the next level. So back a couple of years ago, I was working with an inf information publisher in the health and nutrition niche, and they were doing a couple hundred thousand a month. Um, but the way that they were marketing themselves was based on assumptions. The owners of the company were in their young, uh, were in their younger thirties. The other people working at the company were young thirties and they just kind of were running their company based on assumptions about who they thought their market was, you know, just kind of general, mm. um, men and women ages 30 to 45 who want to get in shape and eat healthy and lose weight. So they were, you know, running their marketing that way and they were generating leads, but they were riding a very fine edge doing a lot of media buying and Facebook ads. And if they're, if like the cost of their Facebook ads went up by 10%, they went, they went from being in the positive to the negative. Right. And you know, when you're doing a couple hundred thousand a month, that's a really big deal. That's a stressful mm. line to constantly be writing, just always on the edge of you know being profitable or not being profitable. So when I came in, I, um, as I do with all my clients, I basically forced them to let me execute on my market research process. And I did a little interview with them just to kind of show them the difference between what they thought they were doing in reality. So they thought that their client base was men and women ages 35 to 45 who wanted to eat healthy and lose mm. weight. Um, yet when I ran my research process, I saw that their market was 89% women, so almost no men, <laughs> and heavily skewed towards the 50 and even 60 and wow. 70 plus age brackets. It's really different. Um, yeah, yeah. So if you had taken a look at their marketing, you could see that it was geared towards the younger crowd, you know, and, and towards men. They were using red and black in their branding and in their funnel, had these really aggressive, you know, kind of headlines and marketing communications mm -hmm. on their landing pages and their sales pages, pictures of young guys at the beach with their shirts off and flexing their muscles on Venice Beach and stuff like that. Um, but in reality, their target market, their audience um, and their buyers 
were women in their golden years. So luckily they were open-minded. They made, you know, basically overhauled their entire funnel, started using softer colors, softer messaging, photos of, um, you know, women and couples in their golden years and doing stuff that retired people do. And they basically went from writing razor thin profit margins to having a record breaking sales year and getting on the Inc 500. So it just kind of goes to show that there are a lot of companies out there that are profitable in spite of themselves. Mm. But if they were to take this stuff seriously and really laser in on who their audience is, how they should be communicating with them, et cetera, um, it would help take them to an even higher level. And I think that's, I think that's probably a very common pattern because I think many of us start our businesses to solve a problem that we have ourselves in a way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I started my business um, and my clients are all consultants, coaches, which is what I was historically. But I guess, you know, I've, I've, I do much more online nowadays. I'm much more technically competent than I used to be. So I may now be quite, quite a bit different to my main clients. And it's easy to assume that, assume they're just like you, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what it comes down to. It's not because people are, you know, stupid or anything like that. They just make assumptions, but. At the end of the day, we don't like if you think about how many people you legitimately know, well, it's going to be your parents, your spouse, your kids, maybe, you know, with how crazy or rebellious kids are these days. I mean, who knows <laughs> if you know your kids and your best friends. Um, so you don't, you know, and I don't mean you as in you. I mean, like everybody out mm. there, we don't know enough people to understand how they operate, to understand what emotional hot buttons we have to push to get them to take action, to understand their fears and their desires and Mm. all of that. So a lot of us just base our businesses on what we know. We look at our past history and base it on our assumptions. And a lot of times those assumptions are just inaccurate. Mm. Well, so, so we know that, that then that doing that research properly can make a big difference. Um, but it's not always easy to do good market research. I think we've all heard the quote from Steve Jobs saying, you know, customers don't know what they want. Um, what situations are there where market research works really well and when it doesn't? And, and how do you get real insights from research rather than kind of platitudes and generalizations that, that end up not being a real mirror of how, how people, how people buy and how they behave? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, um, you know, the fact that Steve Jobs says that is kind of evidence of the answer in that if you're trying to innovate, if you're trying to create something new in your industry, then yes, going to your customers and asking them what they want probably isn't the best path. You know, if you think about if you're in a relationship, you know, especially for the men listening and you've ever asked your girlfriend, or your wife, you know, what do you want to eat tonight? Uh, Italian, eh, eh, American. Eh. But if you ask someone what they don't want, it's really easy to answer that question. Okay, well, I don't want seafood and I don't want Mexican. And so kind of through that process, you can narrow down. Um, you can kind of, you know, if you ask the right questions, you can figure out what somebody doesn't want by kind of narrowing down. Okay. So, yes, if you're trying to innovate, then asking someone what they want probably isn't the best path forward. But innovation is exactly what I'm talking about here. You know, I'm, I'm a direct response copywriter, so I help businesses write emails and Facebook ads and sales pages to help them sell their stuff. And this is basically for the purpose of understanding your market and being able to communicate with them effectively. So kind of so an existing under- market, existing product you've got getting much more from them. 
Yes, exactly. So this is understanding, okay, you know, what, what fear, what are the fears that your markets, that your audience members have that's motivate, motivating them to buy? So if they, let's say that you sell, you know, credit card solutions or like that, some kind of debt solution package. So understanding, you know, what is the pain point that's driving that market? Is it the constant anxiety these people feel or just getting buried under their bills? Is it the shame of riding on the edge of bankruptcy and not being able to take their spouse on that vacation that said that would take them on? Um, so that's, I mean, that's just one tiny example. There could be, you know, a million different answers mm-hmm. depending on what niche you serve. But yeah, it's basically just understanding the the emotional hot button issues, the the underlying um, emotional motivations that drive your prospects buying decision, and then also understanding what language they use to describe their fears, describe their desires, so that you can spoon feed it back to them right. in your marketing. Okay, so I heard two things there. One was one was drilling below the surface to get to real insights, especially down to emotions that are driving behavior, and the second was understanding the language because if you if you mirror their language in your marketing it's gonna it's gonna connect with them um so how do you how do you start off doing that you know if you're doing a research project for example how would you how would you start it would you do a survey first would you try and speak to them directly or what would your process be yeah 100 percent. so this is the kind of funny part where it's actually really simple but it's not easy okay and Going out there and talking to your market is by far the fastest way you can trim the fat and get straight down to business. Um, you know, if you, if you were to go out there and hold, you know, and I don't mean you, whoever's listening to this, if you were to go out there and hold, you know, 25 or 40 market research calls with, um, buyers or prospective buyers, you would know more about what your market wants and how to sell it to them than 99% of your competitors. Um, you know, so few companies are out there are actually going out there and doing this level of research, spending the time talking to their prospects and talking to their buyers. But the, so it's not simple. I mean, literally it's a bit, it's a bit daunting have, as well, isn't it? I think if you're not a, a company with market researchers working for you as a business owner, the thought of, you know, picking up the phone and talking to a, a customer or a potential customer and kind of, Asking them these questions is a little bit scary as well, I think. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's where it gets tricky is that it is daunting. It does take time. I mean, you could spend a solid three to five days doing this, which, you know, with how busy everybody is these days, a lot of people think, oh, I don't have the time for mm. that. When in reality, they're beating their head against the wall doing marketing that's not working yeah, because true. they haven't set aside the time to do mm. this. But yeah, you're right. It is daunting. A lot of people aren't comfortable um executing on these calls and asking people those tough questions. You know, you do need to be comfortable um, asking people, okay, so why is it important to you to achieve this goal? You know, so why is it important to you to lose 50 pounds? Um, Why is it, why does it matter that you don't have enough money for retirement and you're in a panic? Um, So you do have to ask, you know, you do have to be willing to ask people the tough questions. So a lot of people get really intimidated and they just don't even try. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't even call anybody. Don't get on the phone with anybody. But what's really, really interesting is that if, you know, we live in like the information overload era, everybody's got their smartphones at their fingertips 24 seven. And it's really hard to find somebody to listen to us. You know, it's (laughs) aside from maybe your romantic partner, like most people these days are too caught up in their own life 
is to listen. So if you can be a good listener and just like legitimately shut up and ask these people questions and listen to what they have to say, they will pour out their life stories to you. I mean, like the deepest depths of their soul that even their you know husband and wife doesn't know because nobody's listening to them. Yeah. So it's, you know, on the surface, it sounds really intimidating to get on the phone with people and ask them these really deep questions. But as long as you're not, you know, distracted, as long as you give them your full attention, they'll open up and tell you everything you need to know about how to sell your products and services to them. Okay. So are there any particular people you would focus on interviewing for this? Um, any types of people? How do you kind of identify them? Yeah, that's a good question. So I have what I call the market research pyramid and without boring your listeners to death at, at the top of the pyramid is one-on-one interaction with your buyers. Mm -hmm. So the data that you can get from people who've already spent money on your products and services is the highest quality feedback or information that you're going to get because you essentially want to know what are the emotional drivers of the people who would hypothetically spend money on your products and services so you can market to them. Mm -hmm. So the best way to get that information is from people who've already spent money on mm -hmm. your products and services. So yes, definitely getting on the phone with, you know, your existing buyer and like if they're repeat buyers, that's even better. If they've been with your business for 15 years, that's even better. Um, and then working your way down from there. So going from like long-term repeat buyers to short-term repeat buyers to one-time buyers and then to your hottest prospects and then just going all the way down. Um, I mean, really, once you get away from your kind of hot or lukewarm prospects, the data just becomes irrelevant. You wouldn't even want to waste your time there. Okay. Okay. So it's not, you're not looking for any particular type of person. It's really, are they a, bu are, are they a buyer? Or, uh, obviously a, a long-term repeat buyer, et cetera. It's all about their status as a buyer or a hot prospect as opposed to anything else particular about them demographically or anything like that. Yeah, no, I, w I wouldn't say anything like that. I mean, just kind of the typical RFM, recency, frequency, money. Mm. Um, and yes, at the end of the day, some people are going to open up and, you know, really pour out the depths of their soul more than others. But um, yeah, in terms of, you know, demographics, male, female, age, um, no, I, I haven't really noticed anything. That's more, I think it's more about the person's personality type. Yeah. Are they I mean, I guess you, I guess you might try and balance it with what you, you know, if, if your, if, if your long-term buyers are typically all female age 50 plus, don't interview the one male who's 20 who's in that group. You kind of make it typical, <laughs> yes. I guess, is the obvious thing, but, uh. Okay, yeah, so 100%. I actually wasn't even going to say that. But yeah, you're totally right. If you serve a specific demographic in terms of age or location or sex, then yes, you want to try to get people who match that profile. Yeah. Okay, so so when you've got these folks, and you're starting off with the with the repeat bias first, what kind of questions are you asking to get beneath the surface? I think you hinted at them before by ask, talking about questions about why. So how do you start an interview? And then wh where do you go from there? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So generally speaking, you want to start off with chit chat, you know, just kind of like a sales conversation, just getting to know the other person a little bit, just kind of warm up the relationship, yeah. let them know that you're not there to sell them anything. This is purely for informational purposes. Um, I have a full blown script that I think we're going to give your readers access to at the oh, end of the call. But basically, we you just want to kind of get get a little momentum going, start asking the simple questions. And then my strategy is to start off light, start off easy, 
and then take it deeper every question. So you might just say, okay, great. Well, um, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to start asking you some of the market research questions that I talked about and then maybe say, okay, so how long have, let's just say we're, you know, we're talking to business owners that want more clients. Mm -hmm. So you might just say, okay, so how long have you been in this industry or operating your business? And they respond back, oh, you know, four years or whatever. And then just say, okay. And, um, you know, what type of clients do you serve or, you know, something like that. And basically just starting to go a little bit deeper with every question, because what you, you know, as I mentioned earlier, what you're really trying to get to is that, um, you know, the emotional hot button issues, the underlying fears, the underlying desires, their dreams, their frustrations, etc. So, but if you just come out of the gate asking those questions, it's going to be a little shocking. Mm. It, you know, you're going to be moving too fast. So I basically just like to warm up the relationships, start off kind of light, and then take it deeper and deeper every question. And eventually you can get to the point where you're in like the, you know, the heavy hitting, um, serious emotional stuff. And once you get to that point, you kind of have to decide how deep you want to go. You know, one of my favorite kind of strategies is once you're into the more serious emotional stuff, just saying, okay, so, um, you just told me that you don't want to get a divorce because you've seen what I can do to the children or like, okay, so you've just told me that you don't want to get a divorce. Why is that so important to you? What would be so bad about getting a divorce? And then they might say, well, um, I'm really worried about the kids. I'm worried about their emotional stability. I've seen what divorce does to children. And you might say, okay, well, why is it you don't think your kids are strong enough to deal with divorce or something like that? So you can just kind of keep like, keep taking their questions and asking like, why does that matter to you? Why is that important to you? And you, you can go as deep as you want to go until there's, until it would become ridiculous to keep asking questions until there's just nothing left. Okay. And, and I suppose how deep you go depends on, um, how, I, I guess the particular products and services you're selling. Um, and uh, is there a kind of guideline as to when to stop it? Do, do you kind of, if they stop, if it starts feeling like they feel uncomfortable, for example, do you dig a little deeper and then stop? <laughs> no, I, I don't try to push them beyond their comfort level. Right. Um, you know, like I said, if you're a good listener, they'll open up on their okay. own. You won't even have to try. But yes, you know, if you're selling coffee makers, then you probably don't need to pry them on why they're <laughs> why they want to divorce their spouse or why they're <laughs> fifty thousand dollars in debt. You know, it's you got to be kind of. Con, you know, keep it, keep the context in mind. Is it usually the case that the the more expensive the product you're you're promoting, the deeper you have to go? Is that is that true? Yes, one hundred percent. You know, I've I've recently started to narrow down my services on helping um, coaches and experts sell their high ticket co uh, coaching programs and high ticket courses. And yes, you know, once. Once the financial commitment moves beyond the level of an impulse buy, mm -hmm. so if it's not like a seven dollar ebook or uh, you know uh, whatever a twenty dollar t shirt or something like that, once it gets to the point where they actually have to consider whether or not they should be spending money on this, you know they're looking at their budget and do I really need this and whatnot. Um, yes, it becomes more and more important. If, you know, if you're providing services or if you're providing information where it's not a physical product, you know, we're, we're hardwired to kind of understand the value of things we can put our hands on and look at and smell and touch. 
um, just from you know decades of going to the mall and going to the store. Whereas with something kind of intangible like a service or information, um, there's a bigger risk involved. We have a harder time placing a direct value on mm. that. So you know, especially with like high ticket coaching. Um, as you, as you know, anybody who's listening to this knows, if you've ever been put in that situation where you're looking at, you know, a, a six thousand dollar commitment or something like that, um, you got to understand that person. You need to know exactly what their fears are, what their motivations are, and be able to speak their language. Or it's going to be really hard to develop trust mm-hmm. with that person. And what, one question I was thinking of as we were going through, you're drilling deeper and deeper and deeper. What happened? Do you ever reach a situation sometimes where everyone's reasons are different and therefore when it comes to marketing things later, it becomes really difficult to pull it all together? Or do you often, do you usually find that there, there are some common causes that you can then include in your marketing? Yeah, that's a great question. So yes, at the end of the day, what you're trying to do with market research, whether you're running surveys or phone calls or even just analyzing publicly available information like forum conversations or Amazon book reviews is patterns in the data. So no, I have actually never been in a situation where the data has been so all over the place that I couldn't identify a pattern. Um, It does take, (laughs) this is kind of getting into some of the more technical stuff with uh, statistical relevance, but um, yes, I mean, depending on it, you know, like if you're running surveys, generally speaking, you want a sample size of a thousand survey responses and you're going to analyze like the top 20%, the mo- you know, the 200 most in depth. Um, if you're doing phone calls, you know, you're probably going to be holding about 25 to 50 calls. But at the end of the day, yes, you're looking for the patterns. So, you know, if you're doing those like analyzing 200 survey responses over time, you're going to start to see that there's about three or four kind of main categories where 80% of the responses fall into. It's kind of like 80-20, mm. where about, there's going to be about three or four categories of people. Um, and that's going to cover about 80% of your market. And then there's going to be people who are all over the place. And that's the other 20%. So yes, with this market research stuff, you definitely want to, want to apply the 80-20 principle and identify the two, three, or four categories that cover 80% of your market because it's literally impossible to market to every single sub-segment out there. Okay. And I guess that's one of the reasons why you have to, A, not just go with your assumptions and B, interview more than just a couple of people because otherwise you could end up focusing in your marketing on the outliers rather than the, 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 the kind of the thing that covers 80% of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think that the phone calls are such a powerful method. Um, I personally found that after holding, you know, 10 to 15 calls, you're going to start to see the patterns pop up. Mm. And by the time you hold about 25 to 40, it'll be pretty darn clear who, who, what the, you know, who the majority is, what those two, three or four categories are. And then once, you know, once your calls or once your survey responses start to get really repetitive, then you know, you've done your homework. Okay, um, yeah. You know, once, you know, once it becomes redundant and it's like, okay, I don't need to do this anymore. Cause I'm yeah. just seeing the same thing over and over. Okay. That's when you know you're done. And at that point, it's just a matter of um, deciding how you're going to tweak your marketing communications to appeal to those categories. Okay. Fantastic. Final question, Chris, um, any common mistakes people make with research and pitfalls people should avoid? Yeah, I would mainly say the statistical relevance. So, um, 
not, you know, not analyzing enough survey responses or not holding enough phone calls to um, identify legitimate patterns. You know, people get lazy or they see the pattern, they see a pattern appear after like 20 or 50 survey responses and they think, ah, this is, you know, this is good. This is all I need to do. Um, but we know from uh, statistical relevance and how data samples work that it just doesn't work that way. So um, it's very easy yeah, to find the patterns of. you want to find as well, I guess. You're, uh, <laughs> yeah, if, if, if it would be much easier for you to market in a certain way, I'm sure you'll spot that pattern if you don't watch it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, my girlfriend, bless her soul, love her, but um, I was trying to convince her to do some of this stuff. And yeah, she got like 25 survey responses or like 50 survey responses. She said, ah, this, you know, this is good. This is exactly what I thought. And that was the end of it. So uh, <laughs> I suppose that's one thing yeah, to look out of, for, isn't it? If, if, if the, if the answers are coming in exactly as you thought, that might be, a, that might be a clue to think again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes there's, I've seen some business owners who were just way off, um, not even remotely close to who they thought their market was. And then others where, yes, at the end of the day, they still had a pretty solid grasp on who their, you know, who their audience was, but there were still some, you know, intricacies and some kind of subtle points that they, they had missed and were off on quite a bit, whether, you know, maybe they got the demographics right, but they didn't understand the, the categories or they had a general idea of the categories, but they didn't know the messaging. So, um, yeah, it is about kind of slowing down and taking your time to do it right. Brilliant. Thank you very, very much, Chris. That's been really helpful. I'm sure everyone listening will be able to improve their marketing as a result and get some of this research going. If someone wants to get hold of you, find out more, get hold of the, the, the market research script you mentioned, uh, how do they do that? Yeah, definitely. So if anybody's interested, they can go to mastermymarket.com and download. I've got the um, basically A to Z phone script that I use for market research purposes. And if they don't want to do this themselves and want someone to help, there is a link to schedule a consultation with me on the confirmation page from that uh, download. Excellent. Yeah. And I've been through that script myself. It's really very good because it, it, you were mentioning earlier the asking the easy questions first, get them feeling comfortable and then go deeper and deeper. And it's really good the way you've laid out the script where you kind of under each question, you've got little notes to guide people as to what to ask, how to follow up, etc. So that I think if we, if people download that, they'll find it really helpful. Oh, thanks, man. Excellent. So thanks again, Chris. Been a real pleasure. And, uh, uh, as, uh, just, if you just want to repeat again, the, the website so everyone can head over and then we'll close. Yep. Just www.mastermymarket.com. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Cheers, Chris. Thanks. Have a good day.